Hi everyone and welcome back to Beyond Study Abroad, the official Notre Dame Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host Ainsley Herford and today I'm joined by Daniel Kramer and Mary Quirk who are both studying in Rome this semester and have the role of the Rome Sustainability Fellows. They'll be telling me more about their time as a Sustainability Fellow in Rome, what the Global Day of Action is, and what they plan to do as a Sustainability Fellow on the Global Day of Action this year. Today we have two guests joining us. Would you guys like to provide me your Notre Dame introduction and your study abroad info? So my name is Daniel Kramer. Um, I live in Keenan Hall when on campus. I'm an economics major with minors in Italian and sustainability, currently in Rome with the Rome International Scholars Program. And my name is Mary Quirk. I am a proud current sophomore resident of Ryan Hall. Go Wildcats! Um, and I'm also studying in Rome with Daniel. And I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm majoring in sociology and peace studies and minoring in Catholic social tradition and energy studies, which I promise work together better than you would think that they would at first listen. Yeah, you both have lots of things that you're studying, and I like how both of you have stuff related to sustainability. It's very exciting, as well as, you know, we're all all over Rome right now, so we all live in three different places Daniel's with a host family, Mary Quirk. I don't know why I said your full name, but Mary is in the <laughs> villa. And then I'm over in Camp Plus, which I've talked about in other episodes. So you got you got a fun, widespread Roman experience today, everyone. Hope you're ready. So the reason we're interview- interviewing you guys today is to talk about your role as sustainability fellows in Rome. So would either one of you like to explain to me and the listeners what exactly are the sustainability fellows? Um, how many of you are there and where are you all located? Yeah, for sure. So the Sustainability Fellows are a um, new program this year that feature fellows from, uh, I think, five locations. Uh, We've got Rome, Belfast, Dublin, both in Ireland, and Jerusalem, which is actually four locations. So if I could count, that might help. But there are five fellows because Daniel and I are both based in Rome, and then the other fellows are each one per their location. So we've had a really fun time getting to collaborate with each other and then uh, coordinate with the outside fellows too. But the point of the fellowship program is to bring more conscious um, sustainability mindsets to the study abroad experience and to have students at a home base at each um, day in each location um, in order to make the student body more engaged with things that... um, relate to the different sustainability practices of each uh, city in which they're staying. Great. Thank you so much. It was a very great explanation. Um, just a curious question. Do you guys know where there, why there are two in Rome, or did you both just happen to be phenomenal candidates and they couldn't choose which one? That's exactly what it was. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> this is what they tell us. Um, yeah, I think... So there's actually more places that there could be sustainability fellows, um, any place that there's a global gateway. So I think London potentially could have one. Um, and I'm not sure exactly where the other global gateways are, but I think from the applicants, um, they chose which ones they thought were qualified. And because they thought that there were two qualified in Rome um, with different interests, then they they 
accepted both of us. Um, and then as instead of working separately, we decided to kind of join our projects to have a team effort. Nice. Yeah, that little humble brag in there. Oh, yeah, I, of course. But we love it. They liked also, I think, playing with the pliability of the program with it being something new. They wanted to see like, oh, if there are two interested fellows, how could their partnership uh, maybe shed light on future ways that the sustainability fellows can work together. So yeah, they have independent fellows and now us the cooperative fellows so they can try new things out. Awesome. And do you have any connections with any like sustainability fellows back on campus in South Bend or is it mostly run with you guys and then um, a team with Notre Dame International? Yeah, um, we we work pretty separately from campus um, and instead have meetings with the other people in the other uh, Global Gateway Centers. Uh, and it's run through people in uh, different study abroad locations that are full-time professors as well. So it's, it's pretty separate from campus, but it, with the intention of having sustainable study abroad um, practices as there's already a large sustainability department on campus. Great. Yeah, I think that's super important, something I feel a lot of people don't pay attention to while studying abroad very much, or it's definitely not the most sustainable experience for a lot of people. I'll be honest, myself included in some ways. So I think it's really important that you're like, not only doing work right now, but hopefully as the fellowship continues to grow, kind of establishing a culture that's more sustainable within study abroad. But anyways, yeah. oh yeah, it's actually, Mary, go, go. well, it's interesting you should bring that up because that is the focus of one of our um one of the projects that we're working on we can talk more about it later but you're definitely tuned in and aware so props to you Ainsley thank you thank you yeah I mean I still go on a train every <laughs> weekend maybe trains are better than planes I haven't looked into it so trains are better than planes okay that's good spoiler <laughs> alert yeah <laughs> sweet um and then, yeah, I get, I know you guys have spoken about your academic interest in sustainability and energy studies. Um, just curious, one, how you got involved in those, and then just in general, how you got involved in the Rome Sustainability Fellows, how that combines all your interests. Yeah, so I think just in high school, just realizing um, how big of a problem climate change was and kind of realizing how big of an impact working towards that could have Um got me really interested in it. And then specifically in uh, Rome, there was just a flyer sent out saying, apply to the Rome Sustainability Fellowship if you wanted to. Um, and I think that was given to everybody. And um, it was a, at first a little bit of a debate. Do I want to be spending time on something that I'm really interested in while abroad, which is where you're so busy doing so many different things, trying to explore. Uh, and at the end of the day, I realized that having the opportunity to potentially make an impact on other people's study abroad. Um, and as you said, it is such a um, carbon intensive experience for people, um, mm -hmm. especially compared to being on campus where you're walking to class, you're eating food that's being composted. Um, and it's just a very closed system of energy use and taking that and then going to Rome where it's, it's so different. So yeah, just kind of that was, a little bit of how you got interested. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Daniel was tuned into sustainability interests a bit 
before I was too. Obviously, in high school, we all knew climate change was a thing, but it wasn't until coming to Notre Dame and actually taking sociology classes that I started to um, freak out that the world was dying um, (laughs) and wonder how in the world we could begin to do anything about that. Um, I took a class that Daniel actually took previously. We weren't in the same uh, semester, but it was Environment, Food, and Society with Christian Smith. Amazing class. Amazing class. So good. Take the class um, if it's offered. But what I love about what that class did and also what sociology does in general, plug for the major, um, Mm -hmm. is that it really links like issues together so well and shows how so few of these things happen in isolation. Mm -hmm. So um, I loved through the class learning about how the different like areas of justice that I cared about were also so intertwined with the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm an energy studies minor, not a sustainability minor. And when that flyer that Daniel mentioned was passed around and made its way to me, I initially wasn't going to um, apply for the fellowship because I was like, well, they, I don't really know sustainability itself, like the department, but, um, I figured that's what the application was for. You know, they get to do the picking and I get to just do the pleading my case. So I pled my case and I was really interested in some of the differences between the Italian systems and the U S systems, which is how, which is what I wrote about on my application. Uh, and so that gave birth to one of the projects that Daniel and I are working on. We're doing two. So now, you know, hints about both of them, but, um, yeah, Jim Shorten works at the Rome Global Gateway and he is very encouraging of you to pursue new things. And he encouraged me to pursue this. So here I am. I'm on a podcast. Color me famous. This is your, (laughs) this is your 15 minutes of fame for sure. Ah, Just to prepare you for the lifetime ahead. Yeah, that is really interesting. I also think kind of with your food, environment, and society class, um, food waste is probably like my biggest passion when it comes to sustainability and just like an issue there. I guess the nice thing in Italy is if you don't finish your food, they will get mad at you. So it's really good for a lack of food waste. It works perfectly. Um, It's what we call positive social pressure. Exactly. We love, we love it. Um, So it works out. Um, And yeah, I guess kind of also coming up that is going to be really convenient for when this episode is released is the Global Day of Action. So could you guys tell me when that is and what it is? And then also, how will you be participating in it? And these videos you're talking about, is this what they are for, Ooh, et cetera? <laughs> yes. So Global Day of Action is the day in which the Notre Dame Sustainability Fellows Abroad are united in trying to push people to act more consciously, especially while studying abroad uh, in regards to the environment. So what we're doing for a global day of action are putting out two videos, the first of which is uh, a feature of myself and some of my friends traveling to Naples um, because the focus of the first video is to encourage transportation by train instead of plane while abroad. So oh, yeah. <laughs> Ainsley knows what's up. Oh, thank so goodness. Differences in uh, the carbon implications of trains versus planes. And obviously trains still emit carbon. It's still part of a lifestyle that we need to investigate, but um, that doesn't mean that we can't begin to make a switch. And especially within Italy, we, can't, we are staying in a region that lends itself so well to travel by trains to all of these 
diverse and sometimes like unexpected areas of Italy um, in a way that is much preferable to flying many hours navigating the airport to get to these mm -hmm. areas in and throughout uh, the rest of Europe. So the first video is myself and some friends going to Naples. And then the second video is us cooking some carciofi alla romana or Roman artichokes. Uh, Ainsley, I don't know if you've learned this while staying here and going to aperitivo, um, but there are two typical styles of artichoke in Rome. And the first is the carciofi alla romana and the second is the carciofi uh, Julia, I think. But the point is that it is these two versions of the dish are a classic part of the Roman table experience. So the artichokes that we're using were farmed um, locally in Lazio and we got them from a slow market that's conveniently right across the corner from the villa called La Mandragora. And the point of the video is to show um, putting cooking local food into action and local mm. food that is healthy and rich in nutrients. Um, so the second long-term project that Daniel and I are working on, just to loop back to that point, um, is a guide to nutrition, eating locally mm. and sustainably while abroad, but also still getting all of the nutrients that you need in order to be well-nourished and not collapse from lack thereof. Um, so yeah, so those are the two Global Day of Action things that we are doing, or putting out those two videos. Um, and then in the long term, we'll be giving out the resources about how to travel by train and how to mm -hmm. eat sustainably in Rome. That's great. I feel like with the eating too, it's more immersive to eat the local dishes and the local foods, as well as nutrition can be difficult. Like I have anytime there's people visiting, it's like you go have like pasta and pizza, which are obviously very great. But sometimes I feel though as though my diet is exclusively carbs and dairy. And so, yeah, I think different ways to stay eating, like the learn how to cook, like the local dishes, but also um, making sure you have a balanced diet is sometimes easy to forget. Speaking for it is. So. Yeah, that's what inspired the project. My first couple of weeks here, I definitely called my mom and then had to go pick up a multivitamin from the farmacia because I was like, I forgot about the other food groups. Oh no. <laughs> um, so yeah. in an effort to prevent future students from falling into the same trap, we thought, why not put together a guide? Yeah. Awesome. Especially, you know, also like trying to eat on a budget. Um, a lot of people think, oh, where can I get protein? I can only get it from different meat sources. Um, and then seeing are there other places I can get it? Can I get it from beans? Can I get it from lentils? What are dishes with those? Um, and are those dishes, are there, are there uh, Italian local dishes that aren't meat intensive or aren't at least beef intensive? Um, and what do those look like? Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And in general, have you guys noticed a big difference um, between what sustainability means and looks like in Rome versus back home? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, right when you enter Rome, um, you kind of see a trash bin, but it's not only one trash bin. You see uh, four different recyclings. You see mm -hmm. glass, metals, composting, mm -hmm. um, and paper. Um, and then you have Indifferenza, which is just the regular straight to the landfill. The mixed waste. <laughs> exactly. Um, but right from there, you just see, okay, wow, there is at least some type of care to, towards having mm -hmm. a larger breakdown of different materials 
so that they might actually be able to be reused um, compared to the U.S. recycling system where so much of it ends up just being thrown away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's been the debate for as long as I've been at Notre Dame, does Notre Dame actually recycle? Does Indiana actually recycle? Is mm-hmm. it just being thrown away? So being here and knowing that there's some more interest behind it. Um, and that's the first thing you kind of see. And then you kind of know, okay, well, the um, the slow food movement started in Italy. And that's another really interesting thing. Um, but, and then also the cities, while being very walkable because they've been made in a time where you know cars didn't exist they were made hundreds of years ago um there is some walkability there but then they still have adopted a very strong car culture uh, milan mm-hmm. being a massive um, producer of cars during the 60s and 70s with ferraris and different things so uh, there's definitely very strong uh differences between the two um and at the end of the day it is interesting to see which one is better it's definitely italy um but to see, <laughs> that curious yeah. question. But it, it it definitely is interesting, especially because they have all that recycling. But then you'll still see people throw cigarettes on the ground constantly throughout the entire city, which is just um, to me kind of shocking that you would separate your trash and then still just pollute on the street. Right. So, the yeah. amount of litter is surprising, I guess, considering. But we also, at least on campus, I feel like there's a trash can every two steps. But here, unless you're running by one of the big things, like right. the big dumpster recycling stuff, it can be difficult to find a trash can, which I don't litter, obviously. But I guess maybe that's why people do. <laughs> do, you, do you find it frustrating at all seeing how this because this is, I do find it frustrating, seeing how this country is like very competent and knowing what's compostable, what's mixed waste, what's aluminum, like they have been able to figure it out. And it seems like it's not that at Notre Dame or in the US, we can't, it's that we're like choosing not to. And yeah, how do you handle that? It's interesting. I think there's definitely been a lot more um disinformation thrown at americans generally just because of um the bigger industries that are there and so i think the confusion in americans and then also just a culture of americans being resistant to change i think is part of that um especially because in italy there's i think two things that make them potentially um and this is not backed up by anything but this is just from from my observations um first off that I think people care about their well-being and health more than a lot of Americans do. So they care about what they're eating. Um, and so I know a lot of vegetarians here, actually, not because specifically of the environment, but because they just know that eating a lot of meat for you isn't always very good. Um, and that's something that's interesting because that means that they're not always eating traditional Italian meals because they're going to for other cultures for um, more sustainable um you know again like plant-based meals and then the second thing is that i think climate change has been already has already been affecting italy um there has been a massive there was a massive drought throughout all of europe uh last summer and there's already been a lot of different issues with droughts um there were fires in the countryside there was just no rain for two whole months in some places. And so that's just causing a lot of problems. And I think when there's visible climate issues and you have people telling you that there is a potential way to improve future situations, 
then I think Italians are being more susceptible to listening to them. So I also think in response to your question, Ainsley, about whether or not it's frustrating, um, the long and short is yes, because it does seem as though there are an abundance of things that we have more than enough knowledge to begin to do, um, and we just aren't doing them. But I would also add that part of my experience in Italy has been that um, doing those things doesn't begin to solve climate change. Um, it is hopeful to have those immediate signs of like, oh yeah, look, we're recycling and we're sorting and like, these are good things. They allow us to begin to reincorporate um, materials into the earth when we can. But, you know, the waste disposal is not the end all be all. And there are still um, plenty of issues like the air quality in Rome is really not, not top tier. Um, and some of my friends and I have been having issues with like, like going running in the city is um, like causing one of my friends a lot of issues with congestion. Pardon me, I can't speak with congestion. And um, some of my other friends are just like waking up with headaches. And I mean, I guess part of that is conjecture. How do you know it's from the air pollution? But then you check the air quality and it's like, oh, it's not good for you to be breathing outside right now. And so you're like, oh, okay, it's worth noting. So I just, it's not to say that it's all hopeless, but in order for mm -hmm. us to begin to address our hopes, we have to realize that we have to work deeper than just the um, sorting of waste. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's something that's really interesting being abroad. And if people are able to notice it, then I think that's um, something that people might be able to take back with them to the U.S. The idea that even though uh, Rome is a city that's viewed walkable and that's viewed to be so easy to get around because there's still heavy congestion, a lot of cars moving through the city, that affects everybody's ability and it's also smoking, but a lot of it is cars <laughs> and um, how that affects everybody in the city's health. And so kind of just the very visible externalities, especially because in the U.S., a lot of people probably uh, are traveling a lot by cars. And here mm -hmm. they're mainly walking to class. They're mainly taking the public transportation and people can see what you know, the benefits of having good public transportation are mm -hmm. when the Italian Roman system will have you potentially waiting for a bus up to 40 minutes or just it might never come, which has happened to me or there's strikes. So um, seeing mm -hmm. the ability to look at all of those in a new city, I think can be really beneficial. Mm -hmm. Finally, on this note, if I could add something that seems unrelated to sustainability that actually gives me a lot of hope in Rome, um, is that a lot of the restaurants, cafes, uh, stores close on Sundays. Um, and my Laudato Si reading heart um, is very intrigued by the urgent need to slow down that Pope Francis describes um, and how part of us truly beginning to fix a lot of the issues that um, humanity has caused um, comes with us being willing to pause our lives and mm -hmm. um, to take things bit by bit. And that seems really hard to do in America. It, um, as a, you know, as a college student, it seems like our lives are 24 seven involved in school, involved in working. And a lot of that seems good because goodness knows we must work. We must um, give back to the world. But 
what Italy reminds me of every Sunday is how part of giving back is giving ourselves the space to slow down. And it's encouraging to me to see a society that is supportive of that, not just a self-help book here and there. Oh, mm-hmm. which was not to refer to Laudato Si as a self-help book. Those were separate references. <laughs> both are both are valuable resources, but yeah, people in cyclicals are different, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that is, it's cool how the different, I don't know, differences in culture kind of point to different things that maybe upon first look, you don't draw that connection. And then thinking about it more, you might. For sure. And last question, just in general, if you wish for this to relate to sustainability, it can, but not necessarily. Do you have any advice for people studying abroad? Anything that you wish to share with our hopeful listeners if you don't have much that's okay just whatever you want to say as we finish this episode um I think some of the best advice I have been given um I've received from different people in different forms I think my boyfriend actually said it best he asked me when I was freaking out about studying abroad and trying to get everything done within that experience he was like Mary would you rather say that you went to Italy or that you lived in Italy? Mm. So I would encourage future study abroad students to focus on being where they have chosen to study. You know, you were, you decided to go there for a reason. It's not Mm. a gateway to other experiences, even though it, it is a beautiful chance to see a lot of the world. You also want to spend time with the part of the world that you're going to live in. Um, Mm -hmm. So release some of your expectations from yourself, allow yourself to go slow at your location and really get to know the beautiful new city and country where you have the chance to live. Mm -hmm. That's really special. I've spent most of my weekends in Italy and I'm very grateful for that because I still, you know, I'm still traveling. So it's still tiring and expensive and a whole host of things. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it's cool to be able to say all these places in Italy, like I've really gotten to experience and Obviously, the north-south divide is very famous and witnessing that in real time and going to places that you see TikToks of and you're like, oh, this is it in real life. Like, it's it's just cool to see stuff and and spend a lot of time in this country is very special. Absolutely. Yeah, my advice for people studying abroad is do, you know, if you want to do research before you get there on what's nearby you and what's in your city. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I really underestimated how many blogs there were about anything I could possibly want to do. And that's not only where's the best places to travel, but in Rome, what are the best places to see? What are the best places to see a play? What are the best, not only on the big places, but um, in the further outskirts of town, what are places you can get to for free? When are they free? Mm-hmm. Um, and from a sustainability perspective, I think just thinking about um, what what am I going to try and do in this experience that I'm trying to learn as much and grow as much um, because I'm not going to be where I'm studying abroad forever. Um, how am I able to get everything I want to do done while also doing it in a sustainable fashion. So whether or not that's um, trying to in over spring break, take trains to get a 
great um, route of Europe through getting a Eurorail pass, which can save you money in which you can take as many trains in one day as possible. And it's a flat rate and it's cheaper because you're a student. Um, just kind of looking at different things like that to say, what, what can I do to be ready for um, abroad? And I guess one, one more piece of advice is I hear there's two really good um, pamphlets that are going to be coming out uh, pretty soon. <laughs> Oh, I heard um, about those. <laughs> that are going to have a lot of really helpful information. Um, and so, yeah, just looking at those and, and kind of, you know, s seeing if there's anything important there at all. <laughs> I have faith. I believe that there will be. I'm excited to see them. Thank you. Plus, the creators are pretty cool people. I don't know. Maybe. I like them. Maybe. I don't know. I guess the listeners will be the job. <laughs> they will. <laughs> and th they'll come to the same conclusion. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for being guests today. Thank you. It was a blast. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Thanks if you listen to our voices. That's pretty cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Study Abroad the official Notre Dame Study Abroad podcast. Have a great global day of action and check back in in two weeks for our next episode. Until then, as always, stay updated on all things study abroad on our Instagram at ND International.